0: Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, Laura L. Allen talks about race and technology, professional writing, myths about literacy, and the rhetorical practices of black family reunions. Laura L. Allen is a committed teacher and scholar whose research explores race at the intersections of professional writing, digital media, family literacy, and community literacy she currently works as assistant professor of writing and rhetorics of advocacy at york university in toronto ontario her current project explores the role of digital and professional writing in the planning and sustaining of black family reunions across north america laura has presented at several national and international conferences including the conference on college composition and communication and the Humanities, Arts, Science, and Technology Alliance and Collaboratory. Laura is a recipient of the 2020 Craytel Digital Media Fellowship, the 2018 Digital Pedagogy Lab Fellowship, and was selected for the four C's Scholar for the Dream Award in 2019. Laura earned a Ph.D. in English from the Rhetoric, Composition, and Literacy program at The Ohio State University. She earned a B.A. in English from Spelman College, and an MA in Digital Rhetoric and Professional Writing from Michigan State University. Laura is committed to both educational and social justice, and she continues to be inspired by her students. When she is not writing, researching, or teaching, Laura can be found spending time with family and friends, listening to podcasts or live music, and learning to play new instruments. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Your teaching and research explore race at the intersections of professional writing digital media, and family and community literacy. How did you get interested in this work and what does this look like in the classroom?
1: Sure, so my entry into teaching writing and writing studies is something that I cannot really separate from race and culture studies because I was introduced to the field at an HBCU. I was attending Spelman College And at the time, I think I actually was interested in going into management or business and organization, something like that. And um, I was an English major, though, but I was like, you know, I love to write, but I don't know if I'll be able to really make anything out of this. So I think I'll, you know, sort of have this minor on the side, but um, fortunately, I had several classes with Margaret Price, and she would look at some of the work that I was doing, like some of my writing, and say, hey, did you know that there's a whole field that explores this particular idea? And I was like, oh, really? So we would have conversations, and really, after I graduated, I was working in actually working at Target for uh, a while, but I would always visit the campus and Margaret helped me to explore graduate programs. And uh, I eventually ended up at Michigan State, Uh, particularly the program at the time was a Master of Arts in Digital Rhetoric and Professional Writing. So I think they have changed the name since then. But at the time I decided, okay, you know, I will do this and maybe I'll venture into some writing related career uh, right after. And, you know, that will be that. Never had any plans of going into academia (laughs) initially. But I think during that time at Michigan State, I came across some really great work, some really interesting ideas around race and technology. And it just stuck with me. Um, I became really interested in narratives around the digital divide and particularly how that just did not align with my story, with how I grew up. I didn't see myself and my family's experiences in this very persistent narrative about how uh, Black folks and people in rural, rural communities and how they just didn't They were technologically illiterate was the the language they were using at the time. And so I knew that I wanted to explore that more. So eventually I found my way back after going into industry for a while. I found my way back to academia and decided to really explore the relationship between race and technology and the language around that to get a better understanding of what other kind of narratives can we create? Um, what other kind of narratives already exist, and what kind of work can we do to really amplify the rich digital literacy practices, particularly of Black communities and Black families, because I knew that work was was needed and I knew that work was, was out there. So that was my goal and my entryway sort of into this field. So you teach
0: a couple of classes at York University in Toronto, Ontario, that bring together race and language and technology. One is called Activist Rhetorics, and the other is called Race, Culture, and Professional Writing. Can you talk about these classes and some pedagogical goals, and maybe share some readings or assignments that encourage students to engage with race and technology?
1: Sure. So these courses that I have had the opportunity to teach here at York, uh, they have been just some of my favorite courses to teach, particularly at this time. There's so much to pull from what we see in the news what we see on social media what we see just in our everyday lives right now Uh, so particularly race culture and professional writing that course was such a joy to teach uh, because students were really interested in exploring okay how do we talk about race? How do? What are the the words that we use when we're referring to different groups? How do? How do I not get canceled? To be honest, that was what students would would come into the class wondering. Okay, I want to make sure that I'm talking about this group correctly. Um, and of course, we would talk about all kinds of um, theories of approaching the writing. So, for example, just talking about. Uh, their positions as amplifying voices and not necessarily always talking about a particular group, but that uh, was always enjoyable because it's such a, I think it's such a safe space for students to be able to bring some of their hesitancy when it comes to writing about different groups and bringing, bringing what they have understood in the past and learning that culture always shifts. Culture always changes, and they need to understand that first and foremost. They need to understand that they need to constantly be readers and understand what particular groups um, are experiencing and what they're what they prefer at the time. So this particular class had an assignment, had assignments really around these ideas of corporate social justice. I think they will, the pop more popular term is corporate social responsibility. So around the time that Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, there were so many companies and organizations who had these social media posts and uh, different kinds of uh, press releases about that moment during all those protests and that is something I really wanted to bring into the classroom. I said, okay, this is race, culture, and professional writing using digital media right in our faces. How do we start to sort of analyze these different statements? And what would happen if a student is working for an organization and they need to be a part of the the team that's crafting an organization, like crafting writing like that? What can they contribute? What can they add? And so um, that was Those are really interesting assignments. So students were (laughs) very critical most of the time because the first part of that assignment was analysis. But then the second part is composition. So what happens when you have to compose your own kind of statement about where your company stands? So I created a fictional company uh, that was a, I think it was a fictional technology company. And I had students create and write uh, sort of a, corporate social responsibility, social justice statement. What would they say um, are the company's beliefs about a particular topic? And it's hard and that assignment is really short. I love short writing assignments. It was just something that I told the students, this is, this is what I would want you to write if you're writing an Instagram caption or if you're writing a small part uh, on, a, on a corporate website how do you convey what you need to convey and be genuine and be honest um, and really reflect uh, this, your company's values, your nonprofit values, whoever uh, the company is that they were writing on behalf of. And so those are some of the ways that I bring together race, culture, and technology in the classroom. And Uh, It's always a great experience for students. I think that it's a great experience for me, too. I've learned so much, especially being here at York, where there are so many different just uh, it's there's so many different kinds of students. Uh, There are adult learners and there are traditional college students. And it has been such a pleasure to teach at a university where students are coming from all over the world. And so they teach me so much um, about race, culture, and professional writing. And they're really breaking down, I think, what my sort of um, U.S.-centric ideas of, of what is possible. And I, I love that. So it's really helping me to reframe my teaching in that way, too.
0: You mentioned students were critical of organizational social justice statements. And I think you said in particular they questioned whether they were genuine and honest. Now, I I imagine that this led to some rich conversations about ethics and possibly even capitalism and and Kairos. Do you mind talking more about what those conversations looked like with students in class?
1: Absolutely. So one of the companies that I used as sort of a model company is Ben & Jerry's. Uh, Ben & Jerry's they care so much that they do not care. I mean, they um, and I know each every company has their their flaws and and issues, but Ben and Jerry will literally put out an Instagram post that says, like, dismantle white supremacy right now. And we're like, wait, I thought this was about ice cream. And they're like, no, like these issues are still Uh, very important to the work that we do and the people who work for us. And so if you uh, scroll through Ben and Jerry's website, their Instagram page, they even have several different uh, Instagram pages or websites per, like depending on the country. So for example, Canada has its own sort of website and then the U.S. has its own. So they actually create content that are that's geared toward the issues of that particular location. And they are very direct, very genuine. They support much of their content with facts. They talk a lot about prison reform. They talk a lot about the, the issues with Uh, the voting, for example, and voter suppression, and how Black and Indigenous and Latinx communities are are the first to experience that sort of oppression. So they're very direct in that way. So I like to use them um, as a model company. I'm looking for others, but it's difficult, because as you sort of stated, students read these, these messages from these other companies and go, okay, I feel like they're saying this just to sell the product or just because it's popular right now. Um, And so we talk about what makes them say that, what in the writing uh, gives them those vibes, what in the writing makes them feel like this company might not be genuine or might not be honest. Um, And we talk about sort of templates because that's a lot of what we saw when George Floyd was murdered is just these sort of template responses and what would it mean to break out of that? And so it definitely fostered some really interesting discussion. And fortunately, I think, well, hopefully uh, in this next season of teaching this course, I'll be able to bring some folks in. The, I've reached out to a couple of couple of people who work in those departments so we can get a better idea of what, what is the thinking behind uh, these messages and what are some of the different kinds of obstacles that these writers might encounter as they prepare these for the companies that they work for. And so I'm really excited for students to be able to maybe be more generous. Maybe generosity (laughs) might not be warranted here, but it will be interesting when they know the challenges that some of these uh, writers may come across.
0: Laura, it sounds like your approach to teaching also requires you to dismantle some commonplace notions and perhaps misunderstandings about writing, language, and literacy. What are some myths about literacy that that you attempt to deconstruct in your classes? And what do you want students to to better understand about reading and writing and composing?
1: So much of my training around literacy studies is is central to my work with Beverly Moss. So Beverly Moss was my dissertation chair and I had the opportunity to take literacy courses with her at Ohio State. And I learned so much at that time. One of the really important points that I want students to sort of walk away with is understanding that literacy is complex. Uh, Literacy has so much more to do with uh, just reading and writing. Many times we're talking about what reading is valued, what writing is valued, and then the where is also very important. Many times literacy, students understand literacy is something that uh, just sort of exist in the school setting. You learn it in school, you practice it in school, and because I had the opportunity to work with Beverly Moss and to learn more about community literacies, I became really interested in learning, okay, what does literacy look like outside of institution and school settings, and how can I better help students to see those literacy practices happening and to explore them and to value them and to work with them and so that's one of the areas that I really try to focus on in my teaching and in my research and sometimes that can be difficult depending on teaching is about learning but I've learned in these past couple of years that teaching is also about unlearning in many ways and that can be really that can be really challenging, but it's rewarding when you can craft an assignment or, or craft a reading discussion and students are able to see, okay, um, so I can look at this practice that happens in my family where we all write about this particular thing as a literacy practice that that is to be valued, that is to be cherished, that is to be cultivated, that is to be sustained, you know, and, and sustained, of course, culturally sustaining pedagogies. I had an opportunity back at Michigan State uh, and Ohio State to take courses with um, Django Paris, Tim San Pedro, and that informs so much of my teaching. Learning about culturally sustaining pedagogies informs so much of what I do. It even informs just my interest in family literacies and family research because so much of culturally sustaining pedagogy or culturally sustaining composition pedagogy, uh, I think has to do with the communities and homes of students. How can we integrate that more into classroom spaces? I'm really interested in exploring that more and figuring that out um, in my teaching in the lessons. And those are always my favorite moments in the classroom. This is my last question. Your current project explores
0: The Role of Digital and Professional Writing in the Planning and Sustaining of Black Family Reunions Across North America. I would love to to just give you some space to talk more about this project and your motivations behind it.
1: This project, it's, it's really interesting how it came about. I was actually talking to my sister and another relative about making or creating an app. For our family reunion. Uh, so it was completely not related to anything that I was doing in graduate studies. But I was like, you know what? We have to figure out a way where everyone can sort of communicate that's uh, centralized because not everyone has Facebook, you know, not everyone uses email. And what can we do that can help everyone to sort of be on the same page? And so we were working on that. We're still working on that. But through working on that, I was like, okay, let me see what I can find about this topic. Like is there any research like on this topic about family reunions and digital technologies? And I came across this one article it was way back in 2006. It was a magazine article about how uh, Black family reunions are entering the digital age and how families are creating websites. And I was like, yeah, my family's doing that too. And I really started to think about it and I was like, wait a minute, like this is it. (laughs) This is a project right here because Black family reunions are something that that hasn't been studied as much, particularly in in literacy studies or rhetoric and composition studies, but they are rich. uh, These families, many families have these reunions, um, have had them for years. I think my family, we are on our 79th, I think, reunion. And they do not have anything to do with school. They don't have anything to do with work. They really don't have much to do with church, even though the church or religious spaces are, might be used, but yet families were doing really interesting things with literacy, with reading, with writing, with digital technologies, and so I was like, I've, I've got to explore this, and so that was uh, much of my dissertation project and what uh, will be part of my book project. So my book project right now, tentatively titled Kinship Literacies. So I'm looking at the ways that families read and write and use technology today. So I'm thinking of this as a what would Ways with Words by Shirley Bryce Heath, what would that look like today? If we're doing sort of ethnography of of literacy, looking at uh, families and their writing and technology practices in in this era. So that's much of what uh, my my book project will be about. Um, But there are so many different areas, I think, of this field that this project touches Um, something that will hopefully come out this year. Yes, because we're in 2022. So this year uh, I'm working on an article with Technical Communication Quarterly. So with the Black Technical and Professional Communications special issue, the article explores how these families use technical communication literacies to get the work of family reunions done. So these families were crafting these meeting minutes and meeting agendas and family journals and family websites and all of this work happened to get the reunions together. We're not talking about small events, we're talking about events with up to 300 400 people sometimes so to see the families create these organizational structures and uh, create these websites and create scholarship funds and and social media pages and t-shirts i was it was such a pleasure to see the technical communication practices happening there and i was like this is something we can talk about in writing and tech comm and literacy. So let me go ahead and put this into an article so that this is available uh, to, to study and to read and for students, undergraduate students and graduate students to be able to value the work of these Black families. And so I'm really looking forward to continuing to do that work. Things have changed. Of course, families are not meeting as much in person, but I have absolutely been following some families on Zoom because they create, uh, you know, different kinds of connections there. And I won't get into this, but it makes me think of like the work of Adam Banks or Andre Brock, because Zoom, it doesn't really understand its its power, I guess. Uh, the fact that Zoom has meeting minutes and it still reminds me of Self and Self and the politics of the interface and how um, Zoom is sort of set up as this corporate space, almost this sort of white collar. We have to click leave meeting. Um, it's not, that's not what everyone's sort of using Zoom for. Uh, so it makes me think about uh, the way that whiteness in class is even embedded in something like Zoom technologies when we are using Zoom for many different reasons uh, now and, and actually have been. There are many people who, who used it uh, beforehand. But anyway, that's another article and another podcast interview for another day. But I'm really interested in continuing to explore the work these families are doing and uh, explore what comes out of my, um, my research with them and just being able to uh, observe and be a participant in those spaces.
0: Thanks, Laura. And thank you, pedagogue listeners and followers. Until next time.